Good to have you in church today. If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Derek, and uh, I'm the lead pastor at Connect. It's awesome to have you in church with us today. We're continuing a series, the second uh, installment of what's called the Treasure Principle, and we're taking a look from God's Word on the subject of money. Um, if you're here for the first time and, um, you know, you're there, here they are coming to church, they're talking about money, um, I just want to say that we, we do this about once a year, um, and you're in a unique environment that does not put people under pressure when it comes to money, but at the same time, we talk about money uh, in accordance with Scripture without apology, Amen. And so uh, I'm going to do my best to uh, present to you some things that uh, I think can be very helpful to you and help you navigate your faith wisely and prudently when it comes to stewardship and generosity, and i um, excited to do so. I want to also mention um, uh, something that we do as a church. We have a value as a whole that, um, th- this is what I believe. I, don't, I, I believe when it comes to the subject of generosity, people actually want to be generous. I think there's some people that are stingy and parsimonious. There's a big word for you. Do you know what that means? That means penny pinching. So you you learned a big word in church. I believe there's a lot of that, but I think most people want to be uh, generous. They want to give, but they can't because they're strapped or they're struggling or things are out of priority or there's poor stewardship in their life. And so we believe that if you're free in your finances, you will freely give. So our, our goal is not to try to get you to give. Our goal is for you to want to want to give. Can I have a better amen from some of the givers in the house, okay? So, so it was a good one. Thank you. Um, and so what we want to do is help you get free. So really what I do as a pastor is when I talk about it, my goal is just to help you get really free in your finances. And one of the best ways for that to happen is in your thinking. It's not in your working. It's in your thinking. Amen? So we like to resource you. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to turn this mic off because it's just got a demon in it. Uh, That's amazing. I so wanted that. All right. Praise the Lord. It's going to make me Pentecostal today, everybody. Come on, somebody. (laughs) One way or the other. (laughs) So I want to resource you, and so we like to give things away. We don't charge people for books and CDs and stuff like that because... This is why, because we steward well, and all the tithers paid for this stuff anyway, so we just give it away. So we have a book called The Treasure Principle, and uh, this will be available next week for those of you who want this. This is a fantastic book, probably one of the top 10 kind of stewardship generosity books I've ever read. It's a simple read. You can get through it in um, three bathroom installments. I'm not speaking from experience or anything. I'm just saying that's what I heard. So that'll be available at the back of the auditorium uh, next week, and you can grab that. Also, want to let you know that we have like a financial uh, kind of like a forum where you can get some real practical nuts and bolts, how to kind of get on a spending plan, be encouraged by some other people who have been in your situation and come out of it. All of our leaders in general, this is probably about 80% true. Well, 80% of the people, it's all true, but 80% of the people involved in our stewardship ministry were at one time strapped and in debt and then got set free from the things we teach here at Connect. And so when you go to one of these kind of forums or small groups or something like that, just so you know, they're people just like you and they got free and now they blessed and they want to help other people and be a blessing to other people. So we have... On November 19th, we have a little financial seminar that will be here at the church, 5.30 to 7 p.m. If you're interested in that, just show up. We'll give you more information about that really soon. And then we also have a special, um, it's, it's not running on our normal um, semester basis, but we have a group called The Blessed Life. Pastor Robert Morris wrote a book called The Blessed Life, a top 10 book I ever read on uh, money and giving, and generosity, and uh, there's going to be a group going seven weeks uh, starting on November 28th. Uh, That's on a Tuesday night, and that will be here at the church as well. One of our elders is running that. So we'll give you more on that later, but I just want to let you know about that. Can everybody say amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Okay, well, you um, are in for a real treat today. You're going to get blessed. Oh, I got one more announcement. Sorry. That's why this thing's in here. We have a turkey outreach this Saturday. Who's going to the turkey outreach? Raise your hand. Come on. I'm telling you, if you don't know about that, basically we have a turkey outreach and a winter warm-up 
kind of giveaway. That's this Saturday. It's going to be huge. You saw it in Connect News. We're taking an offering for it. I told you about this, so I don't feel bad about bringing it up. This, today's the day to bring your offering. This blue envelope is for that turkey offering. So if you want to participate in that, um, this is a great way to get blessed. We're going to give away as many turkeys as possible. Last year, we gave away 800 turkeys, and I'm hoping to break a record. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's that in a nutshell. All right. So uh, you guys ready to get blessed? Here we go. So we're going to be in two portions of scripture, um, really one the whole time, Luke 16, but the treasure principle. Today we're talking about the deceitfulness of riches. Dum, dum, dum. And um, Matthew chapter 13, you guys know the parable of the sower. This is what it says. It says, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. But what happens sometimes is the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. So there's two things that can hurt us preoccupied with the concerns and cares of this world, but also this, this, this anaconda squeeze that can come around us and over us with the deceitfulness of riches. Everybody say the deceitfulness of riches. And what happens is it chokes what? The word. So when you receive the word, which is what you do at church, or when you get up in the morning, you have your daily devotions, or when you go to small group and you receive the word there, what can choke that out is the cares of this world, preoccupied and worried about all that, which is connected to money, and the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, if I have a lot and I'm preoccupied with having more, it can have me, and in the process, it chokes out the word, and it can make me unfruitful as a Christian. Is everybody tracking with me out there? Okay? It can choke the word. Turn to your neighbor and choke your neighbor right now. Choke your No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Give him a massage. Do something. All right? Don't choke your neighbor. But that's what the deceitfulness of riches does. It chokes. And so here's what happens. The big idea is to receive the blessing of true riches, we have to first deal with the deceitfulness of riches. And in Luke 16:9, it, it'll talk about this. But basically what I want to tell you, kind of a motivation there's the when you're deceived you don't know it the nature of deception is self-deception first when people are deceived they don't know it so this it's this this snake wraps around you and I very slowly it slithers and it's it's it's, it's stealth and it and it kind of gets around us and slowly begins to strangulate us to the point where we can't breathe we don't realize it's happening until it's too late. That's what happens with this deceitful spirit that is, can be upon money. And I'm going to talk about a spirit on money a little bit today. But the, this, this text reveals that there is a deceitfulness on riches. It chokes the life out of you. Your walk with God, the work of God in your life. Uh, it can cancel also, and I'll unpack this as we go forward, the blessing of God on your life. Okay, so it can. So if you, God wants you to grow, and He wants you to be blessed. Just so you know, it's all throughout His Word. But you were blessed to be a blessing. He wants you to grow, but in order for you to grow, we got to make sure we don't do things that choke the Word. And riches, not riches, but the deceitfulness of riches can choke the Word. Now, when when I was a young, I am a young man. I was going to say when I was a young man. <laughs> right, 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 right. Amen. Uh, when I was younger. Um, I used to watch a version of the Hulk. Now, I like the Hulk a lot, superheroes. I still, I still watch cartoons, if I'm honest. No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't. But I did until I was 35. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Okay. But when I used to watch the Hulk when I was younger, there was this version of the Hulk. It was Bruce Banner. Is any, anybody, please, some people help me out here. Okay, thank Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, so I had sons. So... Bruce Banner used to have this phrase just before he was getting ready to go green. He'd say, you know, he'd tell the person, you know, don't, like, don't pr provoke me. Don't poke me. Don't, don't, you know, evoke something from me because it, you won't like me when I'm angry, right? He'd say, you, won't like, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And so this, this nice guy can change, and he turned into this green monster, and this, this Hulk monster. And so what happens to you and I similarly with this spirit that can be on money is it turns us into a green monster. A green, greedy monster. And it can choke the life out of us and it can cancel the blessing of God on our life. This God of riches. And so in Luke 16, 9 through 13, we'll unpack this. It says, I say to you, make friends for yourself. By the way, I'm reading from the New King James Version. For some of you Bible thumpers, let me just explain something fast. 
There are multiple translations. There are two types of translations. One is a word-for-word translation, and one is a thought-for-thought translation. We're reading from a word-for-word translation because sometimes when you're doing a word study, you want to get underneath that word and unpack it because there's a lot of deep meaning in that and rich meaning in that. And sometimes in the thought-for-thought, you miss some stuff. Did anybody catch that? Okay, so we're doing a word-for-word translation because the NIV doesn't do this particular word, mammon, unrighteous mammon, well. The New King James does. For some of you who care about that, that's why I did that. Okay, so I say to you, make friends for yourself by, everybody say it, unrighteous mammon. That when you fail, that doesn't mean when you make a mistake, it means when you die, that's the original language, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful with what is least will be faithful also with much, and he who is unjust with what is least is unjust also with much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will, so that's, even though it's unrighteous, it's something that we're supposed to be faithful with, so we'll come back to that. Who will commit to you your trust, true riches? And we'll, we'll decide and learn what that is too. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, so something that doesn't belong to you that you're stewarding, who will give you what is your own? And this is key. No one, no servant. Everybody say, no servant. No servant. Nobody, no believer, no person can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. See these contrasting words of love and loyalty and hate and despise. Strong language. You cannot serve God, and there's this small g, green God, Hulk, green God, mammon. Mammon's the term that uh, the translators use to describe uh, this, this small g God. In fact, that's your first uh, kind of uh, question that we're going to answer today. What is mammon? What is mammon? This is a word that maybe some of you haven't heard before. If you're new to church, you're new to even reading your Bibles or whatever, uh, this is a term that sometimes is referred to, and depending on your translation, is just money. But that's not the best translation of that word. The best translation of that word is mammon. It kind of has its roots, Aramaic roots. It was kind of a, a, a money god that people would worship. The money god was named mammon. Everybody knew what that meant. It gets, it gets its, its kind of heritage from the Babylonians. If you kind of want to know what Babylon means, you just have to say it a few times. Babylon and Babylon and Babylon. Everybody get that? I need a drummer. Where's the drummer? Anyway, uh, <laughs> do anybody know anybody to Babylon? No, okay. <laughs> don't poke, don't pinch anybody in the room. But Babylon means to sow in confusion. And so this, this word mammon comes from way back from the Babylonians where we get, even if you look all the way back in the Genesis account, the kind of original uh, uh, book of the Bible there, Genesis. In Genesis chapter 11, there's the Tower of Babel. Anybody ever heard of the Tower of Babel? And so you see the, the, the people of mankind building a tower up to the heavens, and, and this was, they were in a prideful, arrogant, self-sufficient kind of state of mind, and they were sending a message to God that we don't need you. We can handle it by ourselves. We can solve our own problems. We, we, don't, we, we got it. We're large and in charge, and we can do anything and everything by ourselves. Yet, God says in his word, and this isn't the only place he does that, in this story is in two locations in the, in the New Testament, he says, no one can serve God and mammon. You can't serve them both. Jesus is warning us about this. In fact, in multiple places the Bible talks about, be careful not to put your trust in, in riches or put your trust in, in, in something else other than God. In fact, in Malachi, it says that God is our provider and he's our protector. And when we put our trust in him with our treasure, he rebukes the devourer for our sake. Amen. That means that there's an enemy that tries to take everything you have. And that's why sometimes people feel like money goes in and goes out. It's like a bag with holes in it. And so that's because we're serving mammon and we're not serving God. But when we serve God, he seals that up and he blesses you so that you overflow out of what you have onto other people in the process. Praise the Lord, that's good stuff. So your, your, your Bible says in this, particular in this particular translation as well, you'll actually despise God when you serve both God and mammon. It's strong. In other words, you devalue God under mammon. The word despise means to hold, see as worthless. 
So when you start serving mammon, the riches, and you follow after riches more than you follow after God, when you start to serve that, you in the process begin to despise or see less value in God as your source and as your trust. Is everybody tracking with me? So, so let me say it another way. You can, you can love God, uh, but still serve mammon. But I'll tell you this, you're seeing the value of God diminish more and more and more as you continue to be loyal to mammon. A spirit of, the spirit on riches, the deceitfulness of riches will begin to lie to you and distort the reality. Because mammon, in the process of that relationship and that connection between you and mammon, it's promising you the moon, but it's always, always, always going to underdeliver. That's what mammon does. Mammon says you can have this and you can have that, but it overpromises and underdelivers every single time. And we see this. And how many kind of raised in the church? Good, good percent of you like kind of born and raised in the church. Raise your hand if you were raised in the church. Okay, so it's usually about fifty percent. It's actually less than fifty percent in our church. Praise the Lord. I actually like that. Not that I don't like church people. Don't misinterpret that. But I like we connect the disconnected to God. People who didn't come to church. We're not just for church people. We're for all people. Can I have an amen? Okay. So when people drive by, look at all the church people in there. We hope not. We hope not. I hope people that don't know about God show up because we invited them and they love it and they connect with God. Amen. So, but for those of you raised in the church, you're probably familiar with this, this term, the prosperity message. You might have been exposed to it a little bit. You might have been under it a little bit. You might have it still on you a little bit. The prosperity marriage is give to get. Give to get. So, so you can get more. It's the formulized God. And so people are like, you know, if you, if you give, then God's going to give you Rolexes and Mercedes. Seriously, that message is still out there today. That's ridiculous. You know, why that, you know what that is? That's a mammon message, masked in spirituality. You know why? Because it breeds selfishness. When, we have a, when we're serving God and not mammon, selfishness comes out of you. Out of you. Selflessness goes into you. You become a giver, not a getter. We don't give to get. We give so we can give again. Genesis 12, 2 says we're blessed to be a blessing. We're supposed to be a conduit of riches, not a container of riches. Amen? Otherwise, we blow up and we get, we get overcome by that. And the deceitfulness of riches, anaconda squeeze, takes our faith and takes our blessing in the process. So the prosperity message, it actually works selfishness into your life instead of out of your life. And so the prosperity message is not what I'm talking about. It is not what I'm teaching because what happens is when that message is being taught, you will despise God. You know why you'll despise God? Because when you begin to sow and then it doesn't come back to you the way you thought it was, how you thought it was, when you thought it was, you'll end up holding God responsible and being mad at him. And so many turn away from the faith, get trapped by that message because they, they, they got it wrong. It's actually a mammon message. It's not a God message. So what, is man, what does mammon promise? Again, if mammon, mammon overpromises and underlivers, mammon promises things. It talks to you, and I'll come back to that in a little bit, but it promises you security. It promises you security. It promises you identity. It promises you freedom. It promises you happiness. When it comes to like security, uh, there's a scripture in Proverbs 11. It says, those who trust in riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. That's why it's so important to read our Bibles because there's so much truth inside of it. Basically saying if you have more money, you'd be secure. If you had a bigger house, you'd be secure. If you had two and a half baths instead of one and a half baths, life would be better for you. If you had a bigger car, if you had a SUV, if you moved from that to that, you'd be better. If you had those nicer clothes, you'd be secure. See, mammon lies. Mammon lies. All those things are distortions of the truth. Listen, money never solves problems. God solves problems. Money is just, a, is just a surface solution. It's a temporal solution. No, no, no problem was ever solved by money. That's a lie. Say, so, well, I, I don't know. I could, I could use a little bit more of my money right now and solve some problems. Your deepest needs are never solved by money. I'll get to that in just a second. So if you had more money, Bamman says people would listen to you. People would follow you if you had more money. That's another lie. Some of the most important people, think about this, if more money would get more followership or you'd be more important, then why is it that people who don't make a lot of money still can be some of the most important people on the planet, like firemen, policemen, whoops, 
uh, nurses, uh, teachers, uh, missionaries. Would you all agree those are some pretty important people in the world today? Do they make a lot of money? No, they don't. So, so it's a lie. It's a distortion of reality, and it's something that uh, sometimes culture, but a spirit influencing the culture is communicating to us. So some of the most important people in the church of Jesus Christ are not people of great means. In fact, a lot of what gets hap- happens in our church and churches in general is not done by people who are really rich. It's done by people who are rich towards God. It's just an attitude. It, money, Mammon says happiness is going to be found if you follow Mammon. Luke 12, 15 says, watch out, be on your guard all, of all, against, against all kinds of greed. The, greed. the greed or green monster. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Mammon says if you had more money, you could have a brighter future. You could have all that you need, all that you want. You could have a better marriage. You could have a better family. You could have a a better life. And I would submit to you that I've seen that lie uh, 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 strangulate people in so many different ways. People are going after wealth, 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 wealth. End of their life, they lose their health, spend it all. And not only that, but you don't take it with you. They don't take it all with you. So God wants to be first. And we'll talk about that as we go forward in the series. I've got a a great illustration for you that somebody in our church has helped me with. But um, God wants to be in the first position in your life. And when he is, he'll take care of all your needs. Uh, Mammon says you'll you'll be free if you you serve Mammon, the God of riches. 1 Timothy 6.9 says those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So when you're preoccupied, God is not just interested in your occupation. He's interested in your preoccupation. When you are preoccupied with getting rich, you can fall into traps, into ruin, into a lot of destruction. That should never be your preoccupation. God should always be your primary preoccupation in order to stay safe and in order to be free. But Mammon says, I'll make you free. If you had more money, you could do what you want whenever you want. And that's going to make you free. That's not freedom, doing whatever you want. There's teenagers want to do whatever they want. Then they go do whatever they want, and things don't go the way they want. And we sometimes, as adults, have teenage rebellion still in our hearts in our lifestyles and in our behaviors. Only God can bring the things that we really need, peace and joy and happiness and significance and identity. Come on, everybody, and freedom. Only God can bring those things to our life. Listen, mammon in the end of days, mammon manifests. The mammon is a spirit of antichrist. This will be strong for some of you right now. Mammon is actually a spirit of antichrist. It's the opposite of God. Mammon will try, the, the Antichrist spirit in the end times, this will go by some people's heads and I apologize for this, but, but you'll remember it one day. But, but the Antichrist will, will be upon a person, there'll be a spirit on this person, and that person will rise up and take leadership. And that control that will come through that person will not be the threat of nuclear war, it will be controlling people and what they buy and sell. In fact, in the book of Revelation, this is what it says, Revelation 13, it says, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. See, people don't see that mammon manifests in many different ways and it's trying to get you to serve him and be controlled by him. And so one of the most controlling things that will come upon the face of the earth that's already there now and maybe manifest in your life now is serving mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. You need to hear that really strong today in order to be free. But the enemy will continue to try to get you to serve him all the way to the end until Christ returns. He's going to try to control you. And so this false God, as it were, said, if you don't take this mark, you won't be able to eat. And see, we, we're, we can be convinced, oh, my gosh, I have to follow him because I won't be able to eat. God said, no, no, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. I'm your source. I'm your refuge and your strength. I'm more necessary than food, according to his word in the book of Job. See, you have to know that your source is God. And we need to cultivate that as Christ followers in the life that we live right now. Money doesn't help people. God does. Money is just a tool. 
Money's just a tool. Money's a test because it tells, it, te- it reveals our heart and our character. And money's a trademark. It tells who we belong to. It's like, a, it's like what do we have an emblem on our, it tells like who we're associated with. That's all that money does, okay? But Jesus never went around with, saw all the problems in humanity, you know, a lame person, a blind person, a deaf person, you know, and they're, oh, son of God, have mercy on us. They weren't like, son of God, write a check to me. No, he he didn't go, oh, you know, silver and gold, I have a ton of, here you go. No, he didn't say that. Never did Jesus ever solve a person's problem with money in the Bible. Can I have a big amen? Amen. So God solves problems. Money's just a surface thing. The real needs are always met by God in the process. And so we don't want to serve money or mammon. We want to serve God. This is, what, this is how you know sometimes that you, got, you might have a little messed up. You know, we say things like, this is how you know there's like maybe a, an allegiance to mammon. I either need more money to come in or God's going to have to do something. You ever thought something like that? I have. I have. You're the pastor. I know. We all have these wrestling matches in our life. Sometimes, you know, if something, if something doesn't break financially, God, you better come through. Can you see the contrast? Right there, we're, we're revealing that our allegiance, we're serving, we're trying to serve both God and money. And God and mammon, and God's saying, you can't do that. You're serving mammon. If you're, if you're not all out serving me, then you're serving mammon in the process. My problems will, and then what happens is if the money comes in, this is what happens to many of us. We're like, okay, God, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good now. I'm good now. All right? So here's, here's the second question. Is money evil? Is money evil? This is something that people think sometimes. Money, um, you know, how we handle unrighteous mammon, the Bible says in Luke 16, it uses this term, you know, when it comes to, like, relationships. And I say, do you make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon? What's this, like, it's kind of like evil money. Like, what's that all about? Okay, well, the Bible says money's not evil. It says the Love of money is evil. So money in a nutshell is essential. You need it to buy and sell. You need it to do things in this life. Money is, is neutral. In other words, what you do with it determines what happens. But money is also spiritual. So you have, you have, you have money. This is my offering for the turkey thing. You have money. What I do with this determines the spirit that's on this money. Let me say it like this. What you do with all your money, how you see your money and what you do with your money determines in your accounts right now, or account, it has a spirit on it right now. It's either got the spirit of God on it or the spirit of mammon on it by how you handle unrighteous mammon. So you receive this money from the world system, and what you do with that money determines the spirit that's on that money. God wants you to have the spirit of God on it so it's blessed, not the spirit of this world on it. We're going to talk about how to do that in just a little bit. But money, money is a spirit, and it rests on your money. It rests on that. If, if, Pastor, if money is a, let me say this, money is a spirit, and it talks. See, how, how does it talk? How does it talk? I'll tell you how it talks. About the time in church you say, hey, we're going to take an offering for the turkey outreach, you'll hear voices. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, we, we don't do that. No, no, no. We got to go to, you know, the restaurant after church today. You know, we got bills to pay. You know, we got tuition. Oh, we got this and we got that. See, money talks. Money talks. That's mammon talking maybe. Or it's the Spirit of God talking, saying, yeah, you ought, to, you ought to get to that. You ought to sow to that. That's good, that's, that's good soil. You know what? They've been doing that for 10 years. Look at the fruit from that within the community. Oh, yeah, you ought to get to that campus outreach because look what's happened in this church just over the last few years. You know, I remember when there was just a couple hundred people, and now look what's going on. And look at how many people, you know, are being blessed by God. Look at all this. See, so depending on the spirit that's on that money is going to determine who you're talking to. Who you're talking to. Is everybody tracking with me? So I think to ensure that you have the right spirit on your money, you won't like this point, but you need to be a tither. (laughs) All the tithers love this, but so let me me just say this. They're like, yeah, keep doing it. (laughs) Don't listen. Don't feel judgment by what I'm going to say. Okay. Because again, I want you to be blessed. This is what I believe with all my heart. I believe that a hundred percent everything I have is God's. 
But 10% is reserved to God. It's holy, it's sacred, it's set apart. And so he says in his word, Old Testament and New, and I'll show you sometime, maybe in the series, give me back this portion. So I'm not really giving, I'm returning what's already his. The first 10% is his. So if I gave somebody keys to my car and said, hey, I want you to take, you know, Pastor Chris to the airport because he's got a flight to Mexico. And, and then he takes him to the airport. And then he comes back and Deej gave him the ride. And Deej says, Deej says to me, Pastor Derek, I'd like to give you this car. <laughs> what? You just giving me my keys back. Like, that's my car. Is everybody tracking with me? That's, that's what we do sometimes with the, with, with the 10%. We think we're giving him What's ours? No, the 10% is his. It's his. We're just returning that to him. And so then he says, because you return that to me, now I'm going to bless every, everything else that you have. So, so one of the ways to get the spirit of mammon off your money and the spirit of God on your money is to be a tither. And what happens is, this is what happens is, you've had bad press from other churches and other places and prosperity message crap that's been, yes, I said that in church. Sorry. Um, but you have. It is. It's a bunch of crap is what it is. People have taught. It's terrible. And I'm sorry that that's happened. But the Bible doesn't say that stuff in there. What I'm telling you is, is not prosperity messages. It's just telling you what the Bible says. So if you want to be blessed in your finances, you return to God what's already his. And I listen to this. I didn't say this in the last one. I dare you to do it for one year. If you will tithe for one year. Nobody tells you this anywhere. You tithe for one year. 10%. Listen of your gross income, if you are not blessed, we will give you all your money back at the end of a year. All of it. You know why? We'll be able to, we'll be able to do it because we want to spend it all. We will steward it really, really well, just so you know. And I won't have to do it because you're going to be blessed. So I know that will happen. But most of you will be like, no, 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 I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Mammon's talking to you. Mammon's talking to you. That's what's happening right now. Okay? So if you listen to God, try it and see what happens. Test me now. That's what God said. I didn't say it. He said that in Malachi. See what happens. Woo. Okay, everybody. So I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, that means actually die, not fall down, that you may receive you into an everlasting home. So here's what happens with your money. Your money on this side of life, on this side of eternity, converts to souls. Every dollar equals a soul. That's what this particular scripture is saying. In Luke 16, here's, here's kind of what I never, ever got as a Christian. I used to read this and be like, wait a minute. Make friends for yourself by money from this world system so that when I die, I'll be received into an everlasting home. Here's what that's saying here is you can take the money that you receive in this world system, and when you sow it, into the kingdom of God, which I would say first starts with the house of God, okay, because you want to give to good soil, and good soil produces good fruit, and so, and you want to sow strategically, you don't want to just like throw seed, and nobody gets, nobody takes plant seed in a, in a farm, gets a big fan, and then throws the seed into the fan, right, and just, good luck, see what happens, no, we sow it in rows, is everybody tracking with me, so we get the right kind of fruit, so you got to find out where good soil is, that's your job, and do your due diligence, what you do, plant that seed in the, seed in the soil, and then, and then what's going to happen is, this is saying, you take your unrighteous man from the world system, you plant it in good soil, and then that's going to bring souls, people are going to get saved and give their life to Jesus, they're going to become your brothers and sisters in Christ, you may not know all of them actually, and then when you get to heaven, you're going to cross over from this life into eternity, and they're going to shake your hand and say, Derek Fry? Yeah, yeah, that's my name. You don't know this, but you actually gave to a turkey outreach. You actually gave to a campus. There were like 75, because you don't know things in heaven you won't know, you don't know on earth. There were like 75 people that actually did that. Hey, you guys, come here, come here, come here. And all these people are going to line up. Shake your hand. Thank you so much. Because of you, I got saved. And my brother got saved. And my sister got saved. And my cousins got saved. And my neighborhood got saved. My community got saved. And all those people over there in North Framingham got saved. Because you gave, you gave, you gave souls on... Because of salaries, because of dollars. Is everybody tracking with me? That's what this scripture is saying. So we talk about the treasure principle. I'm trying to get you to see where the reward comes in. It's going to happen in this life, but it's also going to happen in the life to come. Amen? So I want you to see some of the fruit of people whose lives were changed because of what you did connect. Now, some of you are new to connect, so this is just, you get to go along for the ride and see this. But we strategically sow. So when you give and you tithe here, 
we take over 10% of that. So we live on substantially less than, than, than 90% of the total income, and we sow it into uh, church plants, into mission organizations, reaching children. We do all kinds of stuff into planters in New England, which we showed you last week. And so what happens is the money you, the little bit you put in, and I'm not saying it's little, so don't, but proportionate to everything, we join with other people, which cause it to do more, and then we put it in good soil, and they turn around and do the same thing, and so then it multiplies. So if you were trying to see your money brokered to get the highest possible return as a kingdom investor, it's going to be in people that reach more people, that reach more people, that reach more souls. So when you get to heaven, you get in, you get in a big account, but you get to see a little bit here on earth, some of it, but not all of it. Does that make sense? So I want to show you some of the people that you've reached. This is going to be uh, the ARC, the Association of Related Churches. This is uh, One Hope, which is a mission organization that's reached over 1 billion children over the course of their uh, ministry life around the world with the word of God. Uh, this is also going to be, help me out, who's our other one? Um, I can't remember the other one that's out there. Yeah, John from pa Pastor John from Pakistan. Some of you guys know him. He was here recently, so I want you guys to. And he's going to talk like 100 miles an hour, so get ready for this. Here you go. Show him, show him. Praise the Lord, dear people of God. Here is Pastor John from Lahore, Pakistan. I want to say thank you to the Connect Community Church and Pastor Derek and Pastor Stacey. You guys are amazing. Thank you very much. You guys have amazing leaders who are serving faithfully. And I want to say thank you to the whole church who are sowing faithfully in Pakistan. Thank you very much for your support. With your support, God is doing amazing work. We are reaching out to the people, distributing the Bibles. We are so grateful. You guys are amazing. You guys are a chosen generation. We thank you and we are keep praying for you. Our team here, they are praying for you. We love you. God bless you all. They just had 45,000. Hey, what's going on, Connect conference. Community Church? Pastor Dino here with ARC. And I just want to say thank you so much. I love your pastors, pastors Derek and Stacy, and all that they're about. We do a lot of life together. And I'm just so thankful for what you're doing as a church. Not only are you making an impact into that region and you're engaging in that community, reaching the poor, caring for those that feel lonely and forgotten, but together as a church, because of your faithfulness in giving, your over and above giving, leadership of your church takes a portion of that and it gives it to ARC, Association of Related Churches. We plant churches, we plant life. So together this year alone, we will plant over 115 churches in communities just like yours. You're financing the dream of couples that wanna go into a community and transform it with the love of God, wanna reach the poor, wanna serve broken humanity. And because of your faithfulness, we're able to say yes to these couples that come to ARC and they go through a training, they go through a process, and then they get launched into a community to build lives and to build the next generation. And one of the things that we do is we want to make sure that every church that you and I plant together, uh, they have a heart for missions. And so they're not only planning a church to reach their community, they're giving to missions. So the new church plants that we've done together, over 675 churches, those new church plants are giving to missions at an incredible rate. I think last year, over $17 million went to missions. Then you add those churches that we've just planted this fall, which is over 50-something churches. It just keeps compounding, giving to missions, reaching people, and it's because of faithfulness of generosity. I thank God for Connect Community Church. You're a God-first church. You're a others-first church. You're a people-first church, and you're a Jesus-loving church. So thanks a lot on behalf of pastors and leaders and churches that are making a difference you are helping to expand the gospel. Thank you so much. Hi, Connect Community Church and Pastor Derek and Stacy. It's been an incredible year, and it's always a joy serving alongside of you as together we reach young people all around the world with God's Word. When I step back and look at everything God has done in 2017, I am amazed. Pastor Derek, because of the faithfulness of Connect, 22,500 children and youth have received a relevant gospel message this year. We're hearing story after story of children who grew up in a Muslim background who are able to hear the truth of the gospel, many for the very first time. We're receiving photos and testimonies of refugee children as they receive their very own copy of our new Book of Hope, Survivors. From one of our film outreaches, we received a story of a former gang leader named Dario. After Dario encountered God's word, he approached our team in tears and wanted to know who this God is. And right there on the street, they knelt together and Dario received Jesus. 
He's now attending the local church and is serving in a No More Violence advocacy group. And globally, the Bible app for kids has been installed more than 18 million times, reaching every nation in the world. I hear this and I can't help but think, God is so faithful. He took what you gave and did immeasurably more than we could have asked or imagined. This year, God has been stirring something in our hearts. He's calling us to do more, so much more, that we are faithfully expecting Him to allow us to reach 112 million children and youth next year. It's a huge vision, but I know it's a God vision, and I'm excited that we get to walk this journey together. I'm praying for all of you and believing that next year will be our best one yet. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that great? So, so summarizing, those are they're people that you will never see that were affected by what you gave. Do you guys get that? I just I hope I'm doing a good job connecting with you. So when you when you sow strategically in a local church like Connect, and not just Connect. And then we take that money and we strategically sow that into ministries that are making a difference uh, locally, domestically, and internationally. You get rewards for that according to Luke 16, 9. So you're going to step into heaven and people that you didn't get to see in this life, you're going to see in the next. And they're going to welcome you into eternal homes. That's what the Bible says. I believe that with, do you believe that, Pastor? I believe that with all my heart. That's, so when I give, listen, when I give, it's not a business transaction to me. It's not a debt I owe. It's a seed I sow. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. It's not a legal thing. It's a lifestyle for me. Does that make sense to everybody out there? Like, it transforms me. I'm like, wow, 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 wow. This is happening every time I give a dollar. It translates into souls. I hope you catch the motivation. That's why you need to come out from underneath the spirit of mammon and come underneath the spirit of God and put that on your money. You don't just give just out of obedience. You give because there's great rewards whenever you give. You guys get that? So, so we gave uh, uh, to One Hope, the, the last guy there, we gave $25,000. I remember when Pastor uh, Rob called me up and, and I was sitting in my office and he said, uh, hey, I've got this, this thing. We just we, we started the, we built this kid's Bible app in conjunction with version. And some of you know what version is. It's gone all around the world. And we, we did a partnership. And this app's going to reach kids. Um, and we haven't started it yet, but we have 10 stories. I'm trying to see if anybody would like to buy one. I thought of you, Derek, because your church is so generous. And by the way, he was calling mega churches. And we were, we're not a mega church. At least in New England we are, but not in the rest of the world. And he, he, but we have, a, we have a reputation for being generous. And so he thought, I bet, I bet Pastor Derek will say yes. And so it was a $25,000 investment. At the time, we were in the middle of a capital campaign. I was like, oh. That was my first response. My second response was, yes. God, I want to sow in the middle of my need. Yes. And so we gave $25,000. And initially, there were just 10 stories. Now there's 40 stories. By the end of the first year, there were a million downloads. Now there's 18 million kids from that seed that we gave. You gave at Connect that received God's word through this kid's Bible. You just, just one, that's just one investment, everybody. 675 churches last year. It's over 700 churches now that do the same thing and pastors teach the same thing that I'm teaching you. They're doing. Your money is being multiplied for the kingdom of God when you sow. And if you're not, listen, don't feel guilty. Just get on board. Come out from underneath that spirit. See what happens. Trust God. I'm telling you, you will be so blessed in the process, and you will experience what the Bible calls true riches. If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous man, who will commit to you and trust you with true riches? God wants you to have true riches. So what's, what's the last thing I should do? What do I do with money? Well, hopefully it's becoming clear. The first part, the first thing you should do is be a good steward. Be a good steward. We, I don't know if we'll talk about this in this series. We may, but you want to learn the difference between ownership and management. I believe with all my heart, my, none of the money that I have is mine. It's all God's. And so God's looking at me from heaven, and he's saying, how is he handling what I've given him? I think he's looking at me right now. And he's saying, what's coming out of my son's mouth, and how is he managing the money that he's been in his auspices to steward is he protecting it? Is he multiplying it as a manager? See, I don't think it's mine. I think I'm stewarding it. And that's obvious, Pastor, with the church. Of course, it's not your money. Okay, but it's not mine personally either. 
So it's not in my personal finances. It's not in my, it's not in my corporate uh, responsibility. God is looking to see how we steward and manage money. And if we're faithful, and I think whatever we're receiving now is proportionate to my faithfulness with what he's given me. Your rewards are connected to that. And you may be thinking, oh, pastor, you know, I don't know. This message that I'm hearing right now, um, you know, I think as it relates to unrighteous mammon, I don't have a lot of it. And so I'd like to take notes and, you know, normally, you know, your messages are pretty relevant. But since I don't have this much, I don't think it applies to me. Let me just say something to you. You'll never have enough if you continue to think like that. Because your problem isn't a work harder problem. Your problem isn't manna coming from heaven and solving all your problems and winning the lottery. Your problem is a thinking problem. And you, you've, you've found yourself deceived the deceitfulness of riches. And God wants to see you set free from the deceitfulness of riches. Amen. Because if you're faithful with a little, God's going to give you more. So, so look, he is faithful in what is least, uh, is faithful also in much. He's looking and saying, hey, how's Derek, how's so-and-so handling what I've already given them? And he who is unjust, you, you don't have integrity with what is a little, then you're not going to have integrity with a lot more. But So God's in charge, and he's watching how we manage what we have. If you will not be faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you your own? It's all God's, and he's looking to see how you're handling what he's giving you. If you're not faithful with the little, he's not going to give you more. Is everybody tracking with me? Now, I'm going to skip to this whole idea of riches true riches. What is that? I believe it's people, everybody. See, the best investment you can make is people. When you look around right here in this room, the only, it's people is the greatest investment. What entity, what part of your life is investing in people? When people are on their deathbed to get ready to pass from this life to the next, they're not looking at their accounts to see what they have in there and how much money there is and their investments. They're wanting to get around people because people are priceless. They're the most important thing. And though our bodies will fizzle and fade, our souls will are eternal. Our souls are eternal. And if we profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we'll be with him forever. And we want to do everything we can to make that possible for people. It's the greatest investment of all. True riches are people. Are people. Everything we have, everything we look at. I had a friend, you know, in college, and he used to say, you know, he was kind of a strong Pentecostal Christian. He was raised a certain way, and his daddy taught him, you know, the, you know, the Word of God. And we'd be walking along, and it's a high school, and I'd be like, man, look at that car, and look at that house. And he goes, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to enjoy the Camaro. Like, what's up? It's going to burn. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. It's all going to burn. But you know what? Underneath it all, all that stuff, it's all going to fade. But, but, but souls never fade. It's the greatest investment of all is souls. In fact, everything we have, you know, what's going on between heaven and hell? I'm going to skip ahead here. Whoop, there it is. Heaven is being populated and hell is being plundered when we give. I hope that sticks with you today. I hope that challenges you today in your thinking. As I conclude, um, let me say this. In fact, why don't you stand to your feet as I wrap this baby up. When uh, my daughter and my son-in-law are here in this service, but when my, when my daughter started dating this young man named Wilkes, she said to me, he hates being called out, but I'm going to say his name. She said to me, um, hey, Dad, you know, you told me that you're kind of the guardian and custodian of my heart, and if I felt my heart kind of going towards another man, that you would check him out. I said, "That's you're right, I will. So who am I need to check out? She said, well, this guy named Wilkes. I said, okay. So um, I can remember uh, having a um, phone call with him, an interview, I mean, interrogation, I mean, uh, with him. And I, we were in Florida, my wife and I, we were in a hotel, and, and I go, honey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Wilkes now, and, and I'm going to, you know, you just stay over here, you know, because I was like, don't, don't, get in, don't interrupt this. So she's like leaning against the door, like listening in. And I, Wilkes and I talked for a couple hours, and um, we went through a bunch of different stuff. And what I was thinking in my head was, will he honor me? with what I'm going to talk to him about. And I thought behind that was, if he can't honor me, how's he going to honor my daughter? Right? So all, all you single men, pay attention. Second, the second thing is, we started talking about giving. You're going to think this is a little radical, but I, I basically, in my, in my house, because it's so personal to me, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've been a tither for 25 years, 26 years. And I thought to myself, it, 
I want to know if my, my future son-in-law potentially is, is a tither. So I remember talking to him about money and asking him if he was a tither. And he's like, yes, sir. Yes, I am. And I said, do you believe in the tithe? He says, yes. Then I knew. I said, well, people say they believe in the tithe, but do you practice what you believe? A lot of people say they believe in something, but don't practice it. And he said, yes, I do. I said, good, because I'm going to check. He said, you actually check that? Yeah, my kids know I do. I check all, all my top leaders, and I check my kids. Because I don't want my leaders professing something and teaching something that they don't practice. And I don't want my kids to be okay. Because I'm so convinced that they will be under mammon, which will overpromise and underdeliver and a curse rather than under blessing. And I know the best thing I can pass on to them is to learn to trust God with their finances. And I thought to myself, you know, if he can't trust, if he can't trust God with his finances, how can I entrust him with my daughter who's priceless to me? She's priceless to me. If he can't take care of his money, how's he going to take care of Mallory? Because she's a handful. That's what I thought. Because if he can't do that, there's no way. And she's my daughter. And she's, you know, like I said, she's priceless. Why would I give her, in essence, true riches to someone? I think God thinks the same way with you and I. Why would our Heavenly Father, who has the power to bless us beyond what we could possibly imagine, bless you when you don't steward what he's given you well? Just think about that. As you close your eyes, let me pray for you. Father, there's people in this room that this is totally new to them, never heard it before. I just pray you encourage them. I'm not trying to discourage anybody. I pray they go out of here uh, challenged, uh, provoked, and that nothing choke the word of God in Jesus' name. Nothing choke, nothing cancel the blessing and provision of God in their life. This could be a breakthrough for somebody. The last service, it was a breakthrough for a couple, and they, they said, this is the day I'm going to totally surrender my finances to God because of what God spoke to me through this. I pray there'd be other people in this room where the same thing happened to them. And if they, if they can't have that breakthrough, Lord, I pray that you'd be patient with them and you work on their heart because it's a heart thing more than anything. And Lord, for every person that's here today uh, that may be distant or far from God, maybe you're here today with every head bowed, every head closed, and you came in and you're talking about money, but something's pricking my heart. That's because money and your heart are connected and God wants your heart. He always is after your heart. And so if you want to get these things right in your life, you need to give Jesus leadership of your life. If you've never done that, you've never surrendered to him to, as Savior, but also as Lord, he wants to come into your life today. And I'm going to give you that opportunity. And the, and the way you can say yes to God, I want Jesus in my life as my Savior, but also as my Lord. You just raise your hand, and then I'm going to pray with you. Just say, that's me, Pastor. Pray pray with me. Raise your hand if that's you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else in the thank you right there? Sir, I see you at the back there. Those two over there, I see your hands. That's awesome. All the way in the back there, I see your hand. That's awesome. Yes, sir, all the way in the back, I see your hand over there. That's great. You can put, yes, thank you. I see your hand. God bless you, ma'am. You can put your hands down. Church, would you pray this prayer? And those that raise your hand also, would you pray this with me? This is a big day for you because discipleship is preceded by decisions. Just say this, Jesus, I invite you into my life today. And I want to make you first in every area of my life. My finances, my interests, my relationships, my schedule, my troubles. God, you're first in my life in Jesus' name. And Father, for every person who said yes to God, I pray that you come into their heart, that something happened in the side of them in accordance with your word. They're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It all starts from the heart, a confession of their mouth, and believe in their heart, and Jesus says they're saved. And when that happens, the Bible says the angels rejoice, and all the church here on earth rejoices as well. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for those decisions that were made and his word not being choked out. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you very much.